you old bald one. That was awesome. It really was. You never know what's going to come out of my mouth, do you, David? You just never know. You just never know. <laughs> All right. Very good. Hey, great day at Dorsville. Amen. God was so incredibly good this morning. He really was. We just had a tremendous budget offering this morning. Like the board's almost $30,000. And that's awesome. Thank you for your obedience in that. And I do just keep praying that you'll be obedient uh, to Lottie also. You know what really tugged my heart this morning with those young people? And having served with them uh, in Africa this past couple weeks ago, you know, just a, a month ago, their obedience to the Lord and their passion for the Lord. You know, there's a lot of, you hear a lot of bad raps, a lot of bad press toward the young people. Let me tell you something, there's a lot of good young people out there. There really are. Let me just tell you something happened this afternoon. It's really cool. We're coming, we had a funeral this afternoon at 2 o'clock in Heron. So you know what time we got out of church, and so it's been a very busy afternoon for me. And, and we're coming back into town, and, you know, some people pull off and some people don't. I'm from the south. You pull off for a funeral. In case you don't do that, you need to do that. Okay? So, so here we come into town, and we turn on Capitol Street, and uh, there's not hardly any cars there, but there are, there's one car coming, and it pulls over. And I, you know, I wanted to see. I said, well, let's see, let's see who this was. And guess what? It's a young person. I mean, and you know what's really cool? It wasn't like a young person, you know, like, you know, with a polo shirt on, you know, and wear dockers, you know. He had an old beat-up car, had his hat on backwards, had earrings and, you know, things in his nose and stuff. I said, go, baby. Go, baby. Go, baby. That's right. And then, and then we come around the curve, and there's another car pulled over. And I said, well, let's look at it. And guess what? Another young person. And see, sometimes the young people teach us older people about respect and stuff. So I'm just so grateful for the young people that, that we have that, that have learned some of the lessons, the core values that are so important. I'm incredibly grateful for the ones who have given their life on the mission field and are willing to give this chunk of their life and say, I will serve Jesus. And to hear their passion uh, was just something really tremendous. It was, just a, it was just a good day at Dorsville today. And so what we want to do tonight is, and I'm not sure how this is going to come out. I'm going to be real honest with you. It's something totally different than I ordinarily do. This might be something I might do on a Wednesday night. Is I did want to come back through now the, the Passover Scripture and just kind of make some parallels into the New Testament. Now let me give a disclaimer or two. This is not an in-depth study. I am not an expert on the Passover. You may even be able to take some of these scriptures I've used and say, well, Dwayne, I don't think that really fits what you're trying to say. I'm just telling you, these are things that God's put in my heart. And, you know, it just seems like a cool thing how, how we see the Passover. You know what's incredible about me? If I've learned nothing already about Christmas this year, it's the incredible planning that God did for Christmas. And, and David, you said it right. You know, David Hicks was right. You know, the story is so much bigger than a manger. You know, if you start in Genesis and you go to Revelation, in fact, if you start in, in the beginning of, uh, well, there's no beginning of time, go beyond the beginning of time that away, and in the, in the end that away, you know, redemption has been a theme. If you want a, if you want a central theme for this book that we love, called the Bible, it's God's redemption. It's God revealing Himself to people for the purpose of bringing them back into relationship. With him, and so so go way beyond the manger. Don't don't leave. Don't just focus even on the Christ child in that manger. I, I, imagine let that phrase stick in your head. Mary had a little lamb, and think of that baby as being the savior of the world, who in just thirty three years would lay his life down on old rugged cross. Just three three decades and three years is going to lay his life down. Now, of all the events in the Old Testament. 
I'm not sure any of them are more beautiful in the portrayal of the story of redemption than the Passover. And what I want to do tonight is I've taken several five or six verses from the scripture that we had this morning. And then I've taken a key thought and then I found a New Testament scripture that correlates that to see how God might be working that out in the New Testament. All right. So go ahead and take your Bibles, please, and turn to the book of Exodus and chapter 12. The book of Exodus, chapter 12. What I intend to do is to read the Exodus verse and then share with you the verses that will apply and, of course, make a little comment or two on the way. The first one I want to talk about is found in verse number two. And I made a comment this morning. It was so hard. You don't know how hard it was not to say, and guys, what about this, you know? But I really was hoping to stay more focused on the redemption plan this morning. But but what I had to comment, because I just couldn't hold it in, okay, was this verse number two. And I love the way that verse is even written. Here's what God says. God says in verse 2, This month shall be your beginning of months. It shall be the first month of the year to you. And I said this morning, John, it was so big. What God, and watch now, get this now, what God was fixing to do. This was not, this was not. Remember I just said, it's not just the manger and the baby in the manger. This was not about just setting the children of Israel free. This was so much bigger than that. He says, what I'm about to do is so significant for you. But it's also a picture of what is so significant for what I'm going to do for this entire world. That I'm going to make it a new calendar for you. We're we're going to start the calendar over. And this will be a beginning, the first month of the year for you will be this month that we celebrate the Passover. And we will start it on the 10th day and we'll end it on the 14th day. And the thought that I had from this is that this pictures and mirrors that God is a God of new things. That was the place for it to amen. <laughs> Thank you. Yeah, God is a God of new things. God is a God of new beginnings. And of course, we see that so accurately portrayed in 2 Corinthians 5.17. Now, I'm, I'm going to read these to you. You write them down. If you can flip to them in time, that would be great. But we know this verse. It's a wonderful verse. Hear it as if for the first time. Therefore, if anyone is in Christ... If anyone comes into a relationship with the Lamb of God, the Passover Lamb of God, if anyone will come into Christ, he is a new creation. He is created all brand new. He has a new beginning. And the Bible says, all things are passed away. Behold, all things are become new. And what I'm trying to tell you is, when they, when they celebrated that Passover and when they slayed that Lamb, Former things were passed away. They may have been a slave nation, but now they were free. They may have been a people really, truly, yes, with a God, but a God they didn't understand and couldn't comprehend. And they came into personal relationship with this God in a way that had not been done before. And He did it through the slaughter of a lamb. This is a new beginning. This is the beginning of months for you. It shall be a first month. If any man be in Christ, he's a new creation. Say new creation. I'm glad God doesn't do... You know, y'all ever watch this home and garden television? You know, I switched to um, direct TV. And, you know, they don't have that kind of a small package like, like the other Dish Network does. And I got like nine zillion channels. And we watch Weather Channel and Home and Garden. Weather Channel and Home and Garden. And, I, you know, they got all these things about renovation and all that. Homes on homes and all this stuff. I'm glad God didn't send a renovation crew to me. 
I'm glad He sent a demolition crew. And He tore down so that He could build up and make new. Can I have an amen? I'm glad God... See, God is a God of new things. Say new things. He's a God of new things. But watch this. Now, this is just for free, okay? This is just free. Listen to this verse. Revelation 21, 2-5. Then I, John, saw the holy city, New Jerusalem, coming down out of the heaven from God, prepared as a bride adorned for her husband. And I heard a loud voice from heaven saying, Behold, the tabernacle of God is with men, and He shall dwell with them, and they shall be His people. God Himself, Jehovah God, Yahweh God, Elohim, Supreme God, God Himself will be with them and be their God. You're in. And God shall wipe away every tear from their eyes. And there shall be no more death and no more sorrow, no more crying. There shall be no more pain for the former things have passed away. Then He who sat on the throne said, Behold, I make all things what? New. I make all things new. And then he said, right, said to me, right, for these words are true and faithful. A God of new beginnings. Portrayed in the Old Testament. Portrayed in the New Testament. And then we see in verses 3 and 4, back in Exodus 12, we see the sufficiency of the Lamb. The sufficiency of the Lamb. Now notice what it says there. Speak to all the congregation of Israel, saying, On the tenth of this month, every man shall take for himself a lamb, according to the house of his father, a lamb for the household. And, he says in verse 4, If the household is too small for the lamb, let him and his neighbor next to his house take it according to the number of the persons, according to each man's need, you shall make your count for the lamb. Now, here's what I want you to take. I want you to note this. I want you to take it home. I want you to burn it in your heart. The sufficiency of the lamb was never in question. The lamb was more than adequate. The family may be too small for the lamb. But the lamb was never too small for the family. That's a good place for an amen. Let me say it again. The family may be too small for the lamb, but the lamb was never too small for the family. You see, the sacrificial lamb is always sufficient. Sufficiency was never the question. And I'm glad to report to you that that is true in the New Testament. That God's grace is sufficient. The Lamb of God was sufficient. There will never be another Passover directed by God, but more importantly, there will never be another Calvary. Because the Lamb was sufficient. The high priest would have to go in every year and have to sacrifice and sacrifice over and over again. But when the Lamb of God died, it was sufficient for the sins. Not Again, not for the nation of Israel but for the entire world. Isn't that great? Aren't you glad God's grace is sufficient? Now, hey, see, and that, that, here's why that's important. Because we, you know, we're still messed up people. We still sin. See, we've been born again. We're saved and all that. 
But we still we still sin. And I'm glad that God's grace is sufficient. And I'm here to tell you tonight, and I know most of you guys, but in case you're here tonight, you've never met Jesus, you say, Dwayne, you don't know what I've done in my past. And I would look you in the eye and say, sir, ma'am, I don't need to know what you've done in your past because the Lamb is sufficient. And I will tell you this. You say, Dwayne, now you don't know what I might do in the future. And I say, sir, ma'am, I don't know what you're going to do in the future, but I'm here to tell you that the Lamb is Sufficient. Aren't you glad for that? You better just need to wake up and get a hold of this. Listen to this. 1 Timothy 1, 12 through 15. And I thank Jesus Christ our Lord, who has enabled me because He counted me faithful. Say, counted me faithful. He, he counted me faithful, putting me into the ministry. Paul's. You don't have to have a paper on your wall that says you've either gone to school or been ordained by some folks to count yourself as a minister. If you are a born-again believer in Jesus Christ, you are a ministry, a minister, and God has counted you worthy to be in the ministry. That's a good place. All right? It's a good place. Now watch this. You say, well, Dwayne, I'm just not worthy. I'm just not worthy. Well, well hang on. Because in verse 13, Paul goes on and says these words. Although I was formerly a blasphemer, a persecutor, and an insolent man. He said, I blasphemed holy God by denying His Son, Jesus Christ. I persecuted people who walked the way of Jesus Christ, causing men, women, and children to be imprisoned and tortured, and some even Killed, and I was insolent. I was proud. I was arrogant. He said, but I obtained mercy because I did it ignorantly and in unbelief. Verse 14, write this one down. 1 Timothy 1, 14. And the grace of our Lord was exceedingly abundant. Say exceedingly abundant. Now you are like that. See, see, God, God does very few things small. Have you noticed that? He's an extravagant God. He's a lavish God. You know, Calvary was a lavish event. You know, the, 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 the redemption process was a lavish event. And not only does He stop there, He lavishes. His grace is sufficient. It's abundant. No matter if we were a blasphemer or a persecutor or an insolent, prideful man, He says His grace was exceedingly abundant. With faith and love, which are in Christ Jesus. This is a faithful saying and worthy of all acceptance. That Christ Jesus came into the world to save sinners, of whom I am chief. So, the next time you sit there and you say, you know, I'm done. I'm just not worthy to do. I'm just not worthy to serve. I'm not worthy because of what I've done. Well, the good news is... God already saved the chief of sinners. And there's only one chief. And if He can save the chief, He can save you. And if He can use the chief, He can use you. Isn't that cool? Isn't that cool? The sufficiency of the Lamb. And then verse number 5. We see this beautiful picture of the Lamb without blemish. Here's what it says. Your Lamb shall be without blemish. A male of the first year in the prime. You may take it from the sheep 
or from the goats. And you know this is. We talked about this morning. This is pointing directly to what will soon be, in 1600 years, the Lamb of God. But not just the Lamb of God, the spotless Lamb of God. I love that scripture in John 129. We quoted this morning when John the Baptist, he, he saw his cousin, the Lord Jesus Christ, coming toward him. And, and he's just overcome and says, Behold the Lamb of God that takes away the sins of the world. He could do that because he was without spot or blemish. Our scripture there comes from Hebrews 4, 14 and 15. Seeing then that we have a great high priest who has passed through the heavens. Jesus, the Son of God, let us hold fast our confession. For we do not have a high priest who cannot sympathize with our weaknesses, but was in all points tempted as we are. Now, you all like that. Jesus went through everything we went through. Amen? Tempted as we are, yet without sin. Yet without sin. 2 Corinthians 5.21 For He made Him, capital H, Jesus, who knew no sin, to be sin for us, that we might become the righteous of God. God made Jesus Christ sin because He had no sin. He put our sins on Him that we become the righteousness of God. And I stumbled upon another verse after typing this. It's 1 Peter chapter 1, verse 18. We'll use it later on. But let me give it to you right now. That last part. He says, Knowing that you were not redeemed with corruptible things like silver or gold from your aimless conduct received by the tradition of your fathers, but with the precious blood of Christ. Say precious blood. Now listen, I know the world doesn't understand that. They think we're crazy being obsessed with the blood. But, but folks, this is one type of blood you can be obsessed with. Because it's the precious blood of Christ. Here's what, here's what he finishes that verse. As a lamb, without blemish or without spot. Isn't that awesome? Come on, isn't that awesome? Think about it. Now, now remember, 1,600 years before, this was played out. And then God plays it out in the New Testament for us to see. I think that's highly incredible. Then verse number 7. We've got... I just look at the clock. Y'all don't think I look, but I occasionally do. Verse 7. And this is probably, a, this is one of those ones that, you know, this is just a thought that came to me. Verse 7 talks about the blood on the doorpost and the lintel. And here's what it says. And they shall take some of the blood and put it on the two doorposts and on the lintel. And... Uh, excuse me, of the houses where they eat it. Do you see? Do you see anything there? Do you see a little bit of something there? Can you see? See, some people say the Roman cross was different than we have it like this. That there were multiple vertical posts, and there was a post that ran this way and a post that ran this way. But regardless, when you see wood, I was going to use the word stained. But when you see timber saturated. With, with blood. I hope you don't have too much trouble imagining an old rugged cross on which the Prince of Glory hangs. And He is bleeding freely. 
and dying for our sins. It goes something like this in the New Testament. John chapter 19, verse 17. And He, Jesus, bearing His cross, went out to a place called the place of the skull, or a place in Hebrew called Golgotha, where they crucified Him and two others with Him, one on either side, and Jesus in the center. I thank God for the Christ of the old rugged cross. Amen? Now, I like this one. Verse number 11. I entitled this, Ready to Go. Here's what it says. And thus you shall eat it with a belt on your waist. And this would not be like you put your belt on for your pants, guys. It was like a a thing that held your sash together. Okay? You'd wear it outside. Your belt in your waist, your shoes or your sandals on your feet, and your staff in your hand. So shall you eat it with haste. It is the Lord's Passover. Here's the deal. Now watch now. Y'all stay with me. The Lord is fixing to do something so significant that's going to change the calendar. It's not only going to impact Israel. It's going to impact the world. It's bigger than about two maybe million people getting out of slavery. It's the whole world getting out of slavery. Once the Passover occurs, they're going to go somewhere. They didn't have the pass. They didn't have the Passover and stay put. They didn't have the Passover and stay slaves. They didn't have the Passover and stay in Egypt. God gave them the experience of the Passover. To introduce redemption and for a launching point for a new journey with Him. Are you ready? We're not saved to sit. We are saved to serve. I'm telling you, if God had no plans for us as individuals, not one go with the church, if He had no plan for us, He would just kill us and take us on home. Heaven's a great place. Why, why leave us lingering in this old world of sorrow? Just go ahead and take us home. You know why he didn't? Because there's 1.6 billion people in the world who do not know Jesus Christ as Savior. Because your neighbor doesn't know Jesus Christ as Savior. The person you work with do not know Jesus Christ as Savior. There's 80 kids on a Wednesday night here. The bulk of them do not know Jesus Christ as Savior. And what's his master plan in the book? Redemption. And we, here it goes, Peter, we are his plan A. And there is no plan B. We saw in our Sunday suit quarterly this morning, God uses us to reach the world and there is no plan B. He's not going to bring some Martians. There's not going to be another Calvary. We had the privilege of being his vessels to share the good news. Listen to this verse. Incredible. I, I read this verse and said, mm, got to preach this sometime. Which I guess is what I'm doing now. <laughs> Second Corinthians chapter 5, 16-20. Just relish this. Now all things are of God, who, who has reconciled us to Himself. How? 
By faith in the blood of Jesus Christ. By the sacrificial death of Jesus Christ. By faith in Jesus Christ. Who's reconciled us to Himself. Through Jesus Christ. And has given us. Now I want you all to say, given us. Now, I don't have anything, but I can do this. I don't have any money. That's not unusual. But I can walk down to Judy and say, here, Judy. Here. Now, I've given my car keys to Judy. They are no longer in my possession. Okay? I have charged her with the care of my car keys. Now, if she was careless, I would, about 20 minutes from now, I'd say, Judy, I'm ready to go home. Where are my car keys? I don't know. Well, hey, I gave them to you. I know, but I laid them down, so I don't know what to do with them. Okay? That wouldn't work, will it? Now watch this. Now hang on my keys, okay? Now watch. I'm going to start again at the verse. Now all things are of God, who has reconciled us to Himself through Jesus Christ, and has given us the ministry of reconciliation. The min- has given us, say given us, the ministry of reconciliation. Now who's us? That's all of us. It's believers, isn't it? It's not just ordained preachers or ordained deacons or Sunday school teachers. And it's not ushers. It's all of us. He's given to all of us this ministry of reconciliation. That is, watch this. Paul says, in case you didn't understand, that is that God was in Christ reconciling the world to Himself. Not imputing, not charging their trespasses, their sins to them, and has committed to us, entrusted to us, get that word, entrusted to us, the word or the ministry of reconciliation. Now then, Paul says, we are ambassadors for Christ. As through God, as though God were pleading through us. That's powerful imagery. God was pleading through us. We implore you on Christ's behalf. Be reconciled to God. We are saved to execute the ministry of reconciliation. God has entrusted that to us. That may be why Paul later wrote and said it's required of stewards that a man be found faithful. Isn't that good? We'll preach, we'll preach that on Sunday morning sometime. Now, verse number 12, we've got two more verses. Verse 12. Couldn't leave the Passover without the blood. Here's what it says in verse 12. Now the blood shall be a sign for you on the houses where you are. And when I see the blood, I will pass over you. And the plague shall not be on you to destroy you when I strike the land of Egypt. You know, we know the Bible teaches in the New Testament that that the shedding of blood, there can be no remission of sin. God has chosen the symbolism and actually the blood of Christ to demonstrate and show the power of redemption. He did it when he killed the animals. And, and Shannon Jones was right. She ran down her Bible. As far as we know, the first death that occurred on the earth was when God slew an animal or two animals and made skins to cover the nakedness of Adam and Eve. Blood had to be shed. Blood had to be shed. When Abraham took Isaac up on the mountain... And God instructed him to slay Isaac. And he, somehow he believed God. And when he got up there, God provided the sacrifice. He turned around, there's a ram caught. And that ram was sacrificed and blood was spilt. Blood was spilt. We see it in the Passover. 
and over and over again. And the sacrificial system of the nation of Israel, all pointing to what? Calvary. Calvary. Now, let me read that first Peter verse one more time. Knowing that you are not redeemed with corruptible things like silver or gold. Isn't that funny? The things we would hold very close to us are gold, are silver. God says, oh, those are corruptible things. You know, see, have you heard the story about the man who wanted to take some of his wealth with him? So somehow he got a hold of first Peter, or hold of first Peter, got a hold of Peter. Y'all can tell this is a real scriptural story. And Peter did some negotiating. Finally, said, "Okay, here's the deal: you can bring two tons of gold up to heaven with you. Okay, you can bring that with you." And so the man gets up there, and here he is lugging this gold down the streets of gold. And a dude turned to Peter and says, "What's up with that? Why did the guy bring asphalt to heaven?" <laughs> See what we count as valuable? God says, "No, no." No. What God counts as value is souls. People. Like the ones we saw in the video this morning. We're not redeemed with corruptible things like silver or gold. From your aimless, your senseless, your purposeless, purposeless conduct received by tradition from your fathers. But with what? The precious blood of Christ as of a lamb without blemish and without spot. How precious is the blood. One more. Verse 14. We didn't really touch this verse this morning, but I thought we had to do it tonight. One Passover, many celebrations. One Passover, many celebrations. So this day shall be to you, in verse 14, a memorial. And you shall keep it as a feast to the Lord throughout your generations. You shall keep it as a feast by an everlasting ordinance. God says there's never a need for another Passover until we get to the New Testament. Then there's the ultimate Passover. But here's what I want you to do. It was so significant. It was so important. It was so monumental. I want you to remember it every single year. Is there anything like that for us in the New Testament? And he took bread. He gave thanks and broke it and gave it to them, saying, this is my body, which is given for you. Do this in remembrance of me. Likewise, he also took the cup after supper, saying, this cup is a new covenant in my blood, which is shed for you. God gave us this thing called the Lord's Supper, mirroring the observance of the Passover feast to remind us. Of the monumental thing that God did for us. Not, not the degree we have. Not the money we have. Not the houses. Not the cars. Not the clothes. Our salvation. The greatest thing God ever did for you is when He sent Jesus Christ to die for you. And then invited you into His family. Can I an amen? amen? Invited you into the family. Let me just close with... 1 Corinthians chapter 11, because Paul did such a good job writing it. For I received from the Lord Jesus that which I also delivered to you, that, on, that the Lord Jesus on the same night in which he was betrayed took bread. And when he had given thanks, he broke it and said, Take, eat. This is my body which is broken for you. Do this in remembrance of me. 
In the same manner, he also took the cup after supper, saying, This cup is the new covenant in my blood. This do as often as you drink it in remembrance of me. For as often as you eat this bread and you drink this cup, you proclaim the Lord's death till he comes. I suppose there are many ways to gauge, to scale how large an event is. But two of them are this. One, the amount of preparation and planning that goes into it. And two, are the results of that event. If that is a judge, if that is a scale, if that's how we would weigh it, from before time began, God planned the story of redemption. Don't get much more planned than that, amen? I mean, it wasn't like, okay, conference call, guys. Adam and Eve sinned. What do you think we all do about it? Before the foundation of the world was laid. Before the foundation of the world was laid. That much preparation. And the results? How many billions of people have been forever changed by the blood of Jesus Christ? You, dear friend, who know Jesus tonight, will never feel the fires of hell because God planned Christmas. Amen? Would you bow your heads right there where you are? We're going to let Dave sing and play, and you're going to stay seated with your head bowed. And We've got to leave here in about 10 or 15 minutes. And we're going to leave and go out these doors, and that means we're going out into the world. Now, for some of you, that's going to mean going to to work. Some of you are going to school. Some of you are going back to your neighborhoods. But you're going to be in contact with people. And and a majority of you, and maybe all of you, I just don't know some of you that well. But you've met Jesus. You've experienced the Christmas story in a very real way. You're in with God. And someone you're going to see tomorrow is not. Now, I, we could do this a couple ways. I could have you, you know, challenge you tonight to walk up to every person you see and say, Are you in with God? Have you met Jesus? Have you been forgiven? Or you know what we could do? We could say, God, tonight, you're going to plan my day, you, you direct my steps. As you give me insight, as you bring people into my life, and as you open the door, would you give me the courage to speak when the, when the opportunity arises? It may be something like a person coming up and saying, my life is a disaster. I don't know what to do. It may be someone walking up saying, my mother's in the hospital. I know you pray. Would you pray for me? Or maybe someone saying... I know you go to church. What church do you go to? All those are open doors where God may be allowing you to share the story of redemption. I hope you'd be willing, and I would be willing, to take that challenge tonight. Just simply saying, God, as you open the doors, as you allow the door to be opened, I will walk through the door. I will take the ministry of reconciliation to the ones that you bring into my path.
And you want to know the cool part? If, if he does that and you do that, the person is already saying, I need to know something about God. How cool is that? It's not like a cold turkey knock where you make it throw something in your face. They're already wanting to know. And that means there's probably some fruit to be picked. Let's pray together. Father, you are just so incredible tonight. I am just overwhelmed with how good, how awesome, how complete you are. How thorough you are in your planning. And we are so grateful tonight. We know it's just by grace we were born in this country. It's just by grace we... We uh, ran to someone or went to a church and we heard the good news. It's grace. It's just grace that so many of us have so much. It's just grace. Father, help us to be good stewards of that grace by sharing and giving and doing as you direct our lives. Now, Father, um, thank you for this good crowd tonight. And I want to pray, Father, that you'll speak to our hearts as David sings in a moment. And we keep our head bowed, our eyes closed, talking and focusing on you. Lord, help us have the courage to simply say, Okay, God, I'm available. I'll do what you want me to do. In Jesus' name.